I'm Bruce Worson, pastor of His Place Community Church. The following message came from a Sunday morning right here at His Place. Do you trust Jesus' power and authority? Because, boy, that's what it takes when you hit the brick wall. So that's the question today. Do you trust Jesus' power and authority? Do you? Do you? You can be honest with yourself. You're among friends and family. Do you trust it? First service, somebody yelled out, Sometimes. <laughs> I said, Oh, I like honesty in church. It's so rare. So, Uh, before we go on, I would just like to say, I, this is the first, I, I didn't speak last Sunday. I got your attention. You may not all agree with me, but I just have to let you know. One, uh, I am so happy. Just, I'm just so happy with the Supreme Court's ruling on that praying football coach from Bremerton. I just, I'm just happy. It just makes me happy. And I am deeply, deeply grateful over the recent decision to return abortion laws back to the states. I'm, you can clap if you want. I'm, I'm so deeply grateful for that. And so I just, I, you know, it's just one of these times in life where it's like, well, God, you're so good. Well, you're so good, God, today, because you did that thing. You're so good. You're so good. It's in times like these, I got to tell you, that I am reminded how you and I, we attend, well, how do I say it? It's in times like these that we only really trust the Lord's power and authority with all our heart. It's like, oh, wow. In times like these. But in times like these, that isn't faith. That's the frosting. That's getting to lick the frosting. Every so often, a few are blessed to to taste that. Wow, look at you doing something, God, that I've wanted you to do. Right? Faith is the stuff that comes before that. Before that. Because tasting the frosting is rare. Jesus said to his disciples, many prophets and kings... And righteous men wanted to see, longed to see, Luke's in green, Matthew's in purple, longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you, what you boys are hearing and did not hear it. But they had faith to believe it. Now, if you know the Lord, if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, then you absolutely know that his ways are often not our ways. They're just not. It's very frustrating sometimes. But you know how we say, uh, we like that saying, is my way or the highway? Right? You're familiar, right? Well, as it turns out, his way is the highway. It is the highway. So which will it be? You're aware of the highway. Because the way I think that he should act is so often so beneath him, apparently. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, says the Lord. And one, in a passage that sounds like he's bending down talking to us as his little kids. 
My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, you know, just so you can kind of picture this, that's probably a, that analogy probably doesn't do it justice, but we'll go with it. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. That gives us a lot to lean into and trust. Okay, good. So when things aren't going, that brick wall's there and it ain't going the way I think it should, chances are I just, my thoughts are here and not there. Which means, excuse me, which means to trust in his power and authority, his thoughts got to become our thoughts. His ways got to become our ways. We got to, that's what we got to be growing into. Or we'll never trust it with all our heart. And, and don't go, well, how do you get God's thoughts in your own head? Well, through his word, but it's not just through his word. Paul says we've been given the mind of Christ. And that's one of those things that isn't so much spiritual as literal. You have the New Testament, and it depicts the way Jesus thought and acted, his ways and his thoughts. You got it, you got the mind of Christ. You can look at it and you can wear it, you can try it out. He was God, the very image of God. Remember when Jesus first taught in Capernaum? Well, they were astonished. Astonished at his teaching from the Bible, his teaching from the Word of God. It's like, wow, never seen a guy know their Bible like this. For he taught them as one having authority. For his word was with authority. It's like, oh, he didn't know it said that. And look, he's taking that piece and that piece and that. Oh, my goodness. It's like he wrote the thing. That's supposed to be funny because he did. Now, there was a man who had a spirit. We're going to talk about this today. We're going to try to take the demons a little bit out of the cartoon realm and put them in the real world that Jesus dealt with. There was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And I know right now we can't not think cartoons. But let's try to get past that. But Jesus rebuked him. Listen close now. There'll be a test later. And I'm not joking. Uh, Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, come out of him. And it came out of him, like came out. And they were all amazed because it just came out. Uh, And so they were all amazed saying, what new doctrine? Oh, we don't like that word, but there it is. What new doctrine is this? That's what Jesus is teaching, the new doctrine. Uh, What a word this is. They're looking at each other. What a word this is for with power, with authority and power. He commands with this word. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him and baby, oh baby, they come out. Okay, just remember that for the test later. Because, and here's why they do. Even the demons were told, believe that God is one from the context and shudder. You know Why? Oh, one of my favorite truisms. Because demons ain't atheists. You know, demon looks at an atheist and says, I may be a demon, but I'm not dumb. (laughs) No offense to our atheist friends. So, demons ain't atheists. They know his power and authority. You know how? They know his word. Wow, do they know his word. Remember, Satan tested Jesus, by ever so, <clears throat> I don't know what this is. I got to get under it though. Uh, ever so slightly, he tested Jesus by ever so slightly quoting 
and distorting God's word. And you really got to know it well to do that. And, and not only him, but we're going back to the Gadarene, our old friend, the Gadarene. Remember how the Gadarene cried out and fell on his knees at his feet in front of him. Now, listen close. This will be on the test. Uh, at his feet, in front of him, shouting, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. Boy, he sure knew who he was, though. He knows what he can do. I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out. Now, it might surprise you to learn that those demons are quite the theologians. It shouldn't surprise us because the spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. And doctrines of demons. Oh, that's why I love you. One of the many reasons. Thank you, my dear. Where doctrines of demons, speaking lies. I won't do a spit take, not really. <clears throat> Much better. In hypocrisy. So the spirit expressly says, it's a big warning. Uh, they're going to depart because they're going to give heed to deceiving spirits. Doctrines. That's what they bring. Doctrines. Doctrines of demons. Man, I've been reading up on demons and unclean spirits. The majority of the stuff in the Bible about it is about doctrine and wisdom. Unclean thoughts. Unclean word of God. Hypocritical double-mindedness. Paul warns the Corinthians about this double-minded demonic spirit. He says, hey, I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve. I mean, he's going there all the way back. Uh, by his cunning. I'm, I'm afraid that that same exact thing is going to happen to you. That your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion. You know, childlike to Christ. For, and here's why he's afraid. Uh, if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus. They're proclaiming Jesus. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. But then it's a little twisted. It's just a little off. And they proclaim another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, you know, from the Old Testament, from the Word of God. Or if you receive a different, as in unholy spirit, unclean spirit, from the Holy Spirit, the Holy One you received, or if you accept a different gospel, even a little different gospel from the one you accepted uh, you put up with it readily enough that's a strange way to end that sentence but readily enough you put up with it readily enough readily enough for what and I sit there looking at it going I don't get it readily, readily enough for, for what and then it hit me oh for the beginning of the sentence the beginning of this little speech readily enough for your thoughts to be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ so don't do that. Because let's face it, we all went astray. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned one way or another, one time or another, to our own way. Some of us still doing it. Some of us trying to do it less. Therefore, submit to God on a daily basis. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you like legion into pigs. Draw near to God. So you got there's a lot of action involved here. Draw near to God and purify your hearts. Wait, I thought he did that. 
<clears throat> well, it's because of how you do it with his word that he actually does it, but you have to. You know the old knock at the door and then we dine together? It's that thing. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Because as James says earlier, self-seeking. Self-seeking, wisdom in your hearts is demonic. Well, there it is, just out there. Self, you ever heard that before? Self-seeking wisdom in your hearts is demonic. Where Deuteronomy says, if you seek the Lord rather than self, you're the Lord your God, you'll find him. That is, if you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. And Jesus said, my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And it seems like he'd followed up with, and they know me, but he doesn't. It's how he knows them. And I know them. And they follow me. That's how he knows. That's how, that's how you know when you're his. Because following means seeking to learn to discern his voice. His voice among the raging sea of competing voices in this world down here. However... This isn't dry doctrine stuff. It's not about achieving answers, but digging for treasure. This is what he's tried to tell us. Because he created an adventure to share with us, which is why he compares his kingdom to hidden treasure. And the Old Testament uh, compares acquiring wisdom to searching for hidden treasure. Because finding treasure readily fuels more seeking. You get more excited the more you treasure. So if you treasure his word, you know, store up your treasure in heaven because where your treasure is there, your heart will be. If you see his word as treasure, like, oh, I need to put these things in my life and live them out because that's you and I want to be like you, then each one you find will excite you to find more. If you just see it as dry, dull, oh, I can read my Bible, it's not going to ignite anything. But if you see it as treasure, finding treasure readily fuels more seeking. Literally, he wired our brains to release dopamine. But you got to see it as treasure. So what riles him is this hypocrisy of praying for answers without lifting a finger to go find him. You know, the Lord never speaks to me. Yeah, the whole book, he cataloged everything. See this brick wall? Okay, take a look at this brick wall. You see that little rock right in the center of the brick wall? Okay, I'm going to tell you something you may not believe. It's not a rock. This is not a rock. It's an optical illusion. If you know what it is, don't say anything, but raise your hand if you know what it is, if you can see what it is. Okay, see, we have eyes. We have eyes, but don't seem to be able to see. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Try to see it. I gave you all the clues you need. It's not a rock. It might look like a rock, but a rock is not what it is. It's not a rock. Stop saying rock. All I can picture is a rock, and I'm doing that on purpose. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Got eyes to see. Do you have eyes to perceive? This is what life is like when you hit a brick wall. It's what the Word of God is like when you go, I don't know, he's there. 
You figuring it out? I'm just curious. How many of you have figured it out since I had everyone raise their hand? Okay. Oh, few of you. Few of you saw it. Well, you win a cigar. You know, we're also warned not to bury our treasure. So here's what I want you to do. And remember, first service got in trouble because <laughs> I just said share until everyone knows, and barely anyone did anything. And I said. Do you not get, this is an analogy for sharing the word of God, sharing truth, and they all jumped up and went, oh yeah, we are, we like sharing. So I'm, I'm letting you know from their mistake. This is an analogy about having the truth and sharing it. So don't bury the treasure. If you know what it is, tell the people around you so they can tell the people around them. And let's see how fast you can all know by each other telling each other. I love the, oh, oh, this is what it's like to have eyes that can't see. Do you know what it is? Well, I'll just tell you in a second. (laughs) Sometimes it's still hard to see even after you're told what it is. Okay. How many of you still don't know or can't, not that you don't know what it is, but how many of you can't see? How many of you can't see it yet? Okay, we'll help you out. Okay, it is not a rock. It's the ash end of a cigar that's protruding from the brick wall. Someone stuck a cigar in the brick wall. I don't even think they meant to do this. It was just they had a picture of it and went, you know, it became a meme. How many of you still cannot see that cigar? Yeah, there's a couple people, after first service, a couple people came up and said, I just can't, because there's a picture in the transcript too, and they said, no matter what I do, I can't see that cigar. Do you know what this world and God's word totally have in common? Brick walls. Brick walls that aren't what they seem. I mean, you can stare at that thing and go, but it's a rock. I, I, I want to think it's something else. I want to think God has power and authority, but I mean, just look, everything's in a mess. But I'll tell you, each brick wall in life and in God's word contains the most incredible surprises for those who seek to see through walls and beyond walls. It was made to work that way. This world, this broken world is accomplishing something profound. This isn't out of his control. As broken as it is, it's serving a purpose. His word, yeah, that thing's confusing. The thing is all over the place. All the stories are all broken up and scattered. You don't think that's on purpose? It's an adventure, kids. Wouldn't it be awful? I might mostly be speaking to men, but you'll all get the analogy. Wouldn't it just be horrible if five minutes into a great action movie, uh, the feds show up and arrest the bad guys without any violence. Everyone's taken to jail, and that's the end. What a ripoff, right? That's, we would hate that. Why would we hate that? It was just That was the quickest resolution. Nothing had to get blown up. <laughs> we like the blowing up. Why, why is that? Why? Because we pay good money for a taste of the rapture that comes from persevering the testing. That's what almost every movie is. 
persevering the testing. We love living it vicariously through someone else. We love hearing those stories in other people's lives. But we really do love that. And I can guarantee you will feel the same way about this life you have down here, up there. Oh, I get, now I get it. Now I get why you couldn't let us know, in on it. This is about growth and growing and stretching and maturing. Because we're called to be overcomers, not undergetters. Can you read that with me? We're called to be overcomers, not undergetters. And so often we're praying to underget something. Lord, can you just take this away, please? I just want to underget it from it. We just got to die to self. Die hard to self. Because here's the thing, you know, I'm not preaching anything new. I'm not reading anything new. You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, the thing you pay good money to go watch. So come on, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be rated mature and complete. And if any of you lacks wisdom, okay, you know, especially in the midst of the test, uh, you should ask God in his word, of course, who gives wisdom generously to all, notice this, please, without finding fault. Oh, I thought God was the big fault finder. No, see, because he understands you're being tested and stretched and strengthened. So he gets it if you're distressed or depressed or on edge down here. And it, wisdom, will be given to you, usually from the test and his word put together. So it'll be given to you, but only if you trust. So when you ask, You must believe, must believe that you'll receive if you persevere. Hebrews 11.6 says, you must believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So you must believe and not doubt, not doubt the power and authority and superiority of his wisdom. Because you see, the one who doubts, especially during the test, when you hit the wall, well, they're, they're like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. I mean, how could they? Because such a person is double-minded. Our struggles drive our faith to depths possible no other way. If, if we trust the invincible power and unrivaled authority and eternal perspective and infinite love, In a pure and sincere, non-wishy-washy, single-minded sort of way. His way. The highway. If the sermon could have been longer, I would have shoved in about a dozen highway scriptures. Because it talks about the God's got a highway. And it's this. But can't. James, James also tells us that the tongue. We got to talk about the tongue for a little bit. The tongue is a fire. Oh, there's so much stuff right here. The tongue is a fire. Fire, in fact, that old tongue is a world 
of evil. <clears throat> now you go, a world of evil and a fire. What does a world of evil and fire have to do with each other? Well, the next line. And is itself set on fire by hell. By hell. Oh, okay. That explains the evil fire world. Okay. Wait, what? My tongue's hell. And it's sure set on fire by hell. It is a restless evil. Full of deadly poison. Because here's the double-mindedness. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse human beings made in God's image. Made in God's likeness. And James calls this, notice this, James calls this double-minded, demonic wisdom. Double-minded, demonic wisdom. There's your demons. So why do we do it? The cursing, not the praising. Why do we, or better yet, when? When do we do it? Because I can tell you when. I can tell you every single time when. It is when we refuse to trust Jesus' power and authority and we unravel. But how does hell, I mean, this has to change your, your idea about hell a little bit. How does hell set our tongue on fire? I don't know if you'll like the answer. It's like that old scary story where the call's coming from inside. Because guess where hell is when you're here, when you're on the top side? It's got a portal. It's got a, it's got a room that it likes to stay in. Yeah, it hides in the unpurified, insincere, dark parts of our hearts. How's the tongue set on fire by hell? Remember, remember where the stuff that the tongue speaks comes from? Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. For out of the heart proceed, and well, here's a good definition of hell, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are just seven, seven of the things which defile, some major categories there. But I wonder if these are the seven demons that Jesus cast out of Mary Magdalene. Because when you read that, and I doubt these were the seven. I don't think she was murdering people. But, but there's a whole bunch more. And so when we read that he's casting these out, don't think of them as a cartoon devil. Think of them as these very real things that screw up our mind and make us sin, make us want to do stuff. Well, no, I shouldn't say make us because that's the devil don't make you. you. He asks for permission. But I want you to understand because we also see idols in a very cartoonish way. But Jeremiah tells us, an idol is ultimately a worthless doctrine. An idol, I mean, it might be a statue, but it's not the statue. It's what's going on in here about it. It's a worthless doctrine. That's what an idol is. And Ezekiel says, yeah, and everyone who sets up his idols, his worthless doctrines in his heart, they're all estranged from me, God speaking through them. By their idols. Because their idols, their worthless doctrines, are just empty wind. Empty wind. But he who has a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, an empty, windy, untrustworthy idol, shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Yeah, all those who seek him. And he turns his attention and says, who seek your face. I will seek your face. For God made his light 
shine in our hearts through his word in order to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Well, in the face of who? Say it. That's right. In the face of Christ. I mean, if there's anyone to go seek in that Old Testament, is Jesus. He's all over it. So we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every empty wind of worthless doctrine like a wave driven and tossed. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Christ. That's what we're growing into. Here's another brick wall right here. I told you there's going to be a test and this is it. There is the brick wall. You might recognize it. This test is to test how much you actually trust Jesus' power and authority. I'm just going to read you. We read some of the story. I've condensed it. I'm going to read you a bit of this story again. There's something really, really wrong with this story. It isn't what it appears. See if you can see it. I'll, I'm just giving you every hint I can right now. The way you will see it is by really, truly trusting Jesus' power and authority. Okay? You're ready. Here we go. The Gadarene fell on his knees. And I'm just reading this out of the Bible. Don't think I added words or something tricky. Just Bible. It was actually made to be a little, a little thing here. A really cool thing. The Gadarene fell on his knees shouting, What do you want with me? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out. Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Many times it had seized him and many demons had gone into him. And Legion begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go out of the area into the abyss. What's wrong with this picture? There's something horribly wrong with that story. That story. Anybody think you know what it is? Raise your hand if you think you know what it is. Okay, it's... I'll give you a big clue, kind of like when I said that's not a rock. Um, yeah, Jesus didn't command him to come out. Jesus didn't, didn't do any of the stuff it says he did there to Legion. That's your clue. Do you see it? It's about his power and authority. <laughs> Don't worry, it's taken me 35 years to see it. Noah and I were literally banging our heads for an answer on the desk when we saw it and went, this doesn't make any sense. There's something horribly wrong with the story. And I told him, I said, I think the story wants to change underneath us again. No, baby has it. It's hiding in the flashback. They've put a flashback in there. It's the one where it says, for Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out. That's a flashback, right? You know, for Jesus had commanded the spirit to come out. If Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out, why didn't it? How is it hanging around? Jesus didn't have enough power and authority. It even says what he said. It said to him, come out of this man. And it went, nope, I'm going to sit down and talk to you. And, and look what it says. Look what Legion says. What do you want with me? Um, to go out like I kind of commanded you to do? Why is it begging him not to order them to go out? Do you see how much is wrong with this story? 
It's like that cigar. Once we saw this, I, I yelled for Noah to come in my office and said, the story's all broken. It's all wrong. This, this can't work. And so then we just started trying to figure out, well, then what's, what's, we can't, we see the problem. We can't see the cigar. We can't see the cigar. Because I thought he already told her to come out. And it's so funny because we finally came, we were just brainstorming and finally said, okay, what do we know? What can we actually know? What can we trust? That's where this sermon comes from, this actual moment. Because the cigar is obvious only if you actually trust his power and authority. And I said, okay, I know what we can trust. We can trust Jesus' power and authority. We can trust that when Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out, baby, oh baby, it came out. So who's he talking to? What, what? And then Noah said, yeah, when did he do it? And I went, the angels sang. I said, oh my goodness, Noah, this is told as a flashback. So the only proper question, if you believe Jesus has all the power and authority, is how far back does this flash go? Because it sure ain't talking about this guy, Legion, or he would have come out. And then the whole story changed. We can't really have, we don't have time to talk about how it changes, but we will. Because this isn't Jesus' first rodeo with this double-minded demonic gadarene. Uh-uh. We, we, went, we said, there's no other way. We, we went through everything. So, Jesus, okay. He said, what do you want me? For he had commanded the spirit to come out before this. And it did. And other ones came in. And, I, and at that point, I said, Wait. When does Jesus say that thing about the demons coming back in? Um, that afternoon, right before he came over here. Right before he came over to do this with the gathering. Jesus sets the stage that very same day by saying, Okay, everybody, hey, we're about to go over there and do a thing. Um, but first you need to know, when an evil spirit comes out of a man, you know, being cast out by God's spirit, it says, I will return. Because it wants to get back in. And so it tries all these thoughts, try to get back at you, you know. It says, I'll return to the house I left. And when it arrives now, it finds the house unoccupied. The Spirit of God said, sorry, I just don't like living here. That's, that's not a possible answer. It swept clean. It's put in order. The Spirit did its job. We know who cleaned and tidied up. Why is the guy unoccupied? There's only one answer. Because the spirit of God isn't in there. There's only one reason. Because this guy's devotion wasn't sincere. And pure. He's just trying to add that in. Let's just add a little Jesus into everything. Into the mix. So his devotion wasn't sincere and pure. Because the Lord sure is. And Jesus that afternoon says. Then it goes. And takes with it. Seven other spirits there's those seven others more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that man is worse than the first because I'll tell you I did the math the first one goes and gets seven if he casts it out again and they all go get seven and he casts it out again it's only three more times and there's four thousand plus in there and that very night after saying that Jesus calms the waves being driven and tossed by the wind and then immediately and here's where this story is going to get so good not today <laughs> he tracks down the man being driven and tossed like a wave of the sea of Galilee 
with double-minded relapsing and backsliding till this guy was finally utterly conquered by the devil, but certainly not abandoned by the Lord. This may be one of the sweetest hidden stories that I've come across. This guy's finally at the bottom of his barrel. This guy's finally ready. <laughs> Can't imagine waiting a big old line to see Jesus, that big important Jesus, and gets his healing in. Goes back again here. And then a boat pulls up one night at the cemetery, and it's Jesus coming for you. Who is afraid of who? Not abandoned by the Lord. Hence the title, I don't know if you noticed, repossessed. Repossessed. It works two ways. Oh, Lord, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. You ever feel that way? I can't even seek you. Seek me. Seek me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Well, he will. But you must trust in the Lord with all your heart. And as he himself says, lay hold of my words with all your heart. For with authority and power, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. And baby, oh baby, they come out. So what do we do? What do we do when we hit one of life's brick walls? Well, you just, now you know, you know what to do. You hit a brick wall, you just look to win a cigar. And let's pray. Father God, we trust you, we love you, and we aspire to your thoughts and ways. Holy Spirit, lead us, guide us to a singleness of mind and sincerity of heart. Lord Jesus, we hear you. We follow you. And now we praise you with all our heart. And everybody said, Amen. Well, thanks for listening in. Why don't you join us on a Sunday morning? If you'd like more information about the church, just point your browser to hisplacechurch.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you, keep you, and make his face shine upon you.